Hello and welcome to Future Thinking with Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Brand Engagement and Multimedia Strategy at Stylus. Today, we're going to be discussing the challenges faced by all businesses as they adapt to the current crisis and what every brand needs to be doing right now to emerge from this situation stronger and more resilient. To discuss this with me, I'm joined by Kevin McCullough, founder of product strategy consultancy Plan, which helps companies like Ford, Airbus, and Samsung navigate the early stages of product and service innovation. And Kevin also writes and speaks on mobility, tech, and innovation, and has been published in the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, Blueprint, and many more. So thanks for joining me, Kevin. First of all, um, I was wondering, could you tell us a little bit about the work you do at Plan and how that work has refocused in the past few weeks? What sort of questions are your clients asking you now? Sure. Well, we, we work, um, as you mentioned, we work at sort of research and strategy for, for products and service development. And we, we focus on kind of two different sectors and the, there's quite a mixed um, impacts across those sectors. So I'll probably look at it in that way. So the two kind of areas are we look at mobility and tech and food and beverage. So, and they've seen, when we've got clients, to be frank, have got very different experiences of this crisis, um, quite extremes, really. So, for example, pretty much all the mobility clients are having a terrible time. You know, not only has the world stopped moving, but the likes of planes and trains and things have been reframed overnight as high-risk areas, you know, infection. Mm. So, um, Lots of these companies are making pretty drastic cuts, and innovation is uh, taking a back seat, so to speak. So that um, that they're having a pretty tough time. Um, the tech clients, it's more of a mixed picture. So you've got um, you've got some of our telecoms clients say that they're really sort of bending over backwards to meet the massive demand for broadband. You know, they've got customers upgrading their broadband packages, you know, so the revenues are pretty buoyant. Um, and they're, they're starting to think about how they can maybe better support their customers who are expecting to work at home on a more regular basis, for example. And then similarly, we've got hardware clients who are looking at, um, you know, new opportunities around, you know, cameras, headsets, speakers, um, to help us all raise our Zoom game basically. So, um, yeah, there's um, the, the tech, I think big tech generally is going to come out of the um, the crisis probably stronger than ever. Um, and then on, on the food side of things, um, again, mixed, mixed fortunes, I think. Um, we've got one client who's very much firmly in this sort of supermarket staples category, and their sales have really been boosted by, you know, everyone being cooped up at home and, and eating all their meals at home. Um, we've got another food client who's more in the sort of impulse category. Mm. So, um, and they've really been hit by the lack of footfall in, in physical stores. Um, and interestingly, on a kind of food and beverage sort of innovation um, standpoint, that the supermarkets are quite a big driver here because they, they're basically, let it be known, they're not interested in any uh, innovation for the rest of the year. You know, they've got no problems with sales. Yeah. Uh, their problem is fulfillment. And they just see new new product as just unwelcome complexity. So um, so our, our sort of F&B clients are kind of prioritizing more sort of mid to long term 
um, initiatives like hitting their sort of 2025 sustainability targets and things. Right. So it's a you know pretty mixed picture with different dynamics going on, to be honest. So with that mixed picture, I mean, I guess they're all, they're all asking you for different sorts of advice. I mean, is there is there a is there an overall sort of general theme that's emerging from this? I mean, I, I assume there is something of a pessimistic perspective, perhaps, or or is that wrong? Well, it kind of depends. You know, if, if you're talking to, um, you know, we've got we've got some clients that are twenty thirty percent up on sales, so they're. I mean, that's, <laughs> feeling sort of slightly guilty about it but that they're having the best quarter they've ever had sort of thing and then you've got mm. others who are literally laying off thousands of workers so um it, it it does really cut um to quite different extremes really so uh, there's a post that you you put up on linkedin recently uh, about this issue of of you know innovate or not during this crisis and also how to to sort of create a, a resilience um, after the situation has resolved itself, and in that in that article, you make a distinction between the accelerated changes, the things that are that are trends that are being accelerated during this period, and more fundamental changes. I wonder if you could give a sort of example of what you mean by both of those. Yeah, well, I guess it is clear if I talk about the the three types of trends I, I talked about, um, because you've got certain trends, you've got three types really you've got the the temporary i call the temporary trends the sort of during or, or dc as i i call it in, in the article um that are essentially blips that will return to a steady state of, of before the crisis and then you've got two types of more permanent shifts and those two types of permanent shifts are the the accelerated trends and then the the, the new trends so if I, t- if I take give you an example of each, so with the, the temporary trends, we were just talking about this earlier. That um, you know you've got um, you've got something like, like the the drop in uh, podcast consumption, which uh, um, I hear is now starting to recover, but um, that really dipped um, to begin with because um, you know things like listening to podcasts on your commute to work or listening to podcasts in the gym, uh, two key use cases. Um, you know, a lot less of that was happening, um, but you'd expect that to sort of rebound to the um, the kind of trajectory that was set, you know, before um, Corona. So, so that'd be an example of a, a temporary trend, and I think that's a, that that also also raises the the issue that um, that lots of things will revert back to before Corona kind of um, trajectories and states. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about everything's going to change. Um, I think it's quite important for people to kind of step back and start making distinctions between things that will revert, if you like, those temporary trends that will revert to pretty much continuities with the past mm. and, what, and things that will really change. And I think an interesting one there is if you look historically at um, the impact on air travel, um, after two big previous shocks so if you if you look at 9 11 um if you look at global um f- n- number of flights um in the year after 9 11 it basically plateaued it hardly dipped and then it climbed and and um in the in the decade after 9 11 i think it pretty much air travel pretty much doubled and um so in the middle of a crisis you can kind of see lots of change and you can 
maybe over exaggerate how, how permanent that change can be. And another example would be a more up to date example would be cruise liner. So you had the, I think it was called the Diamond um, Princess, the, the mm. cruise liner quarantined off Japan. Uh, you know, sort of one, some of the early sort of shock horror headlines of this, um, you know, this infection hotspot. And um, already, I, I find this amazing personally, but already um, bookings for 2021 in cruise liners are 40% up on bookings for 2019. Wow. So, you know, we, we shouldn't overestimate the, um, the amount of change. I think that would be one thing to say. Mm. But anyway, on to the, um, the two trends that I think you're referring to, the two types. The, we start with accelerated, and I think that that's the most important type of trend. So that's basically pre-existing trends. You know, you could call them BC trends before Corona trends um, that have just been had been given a massive boost by um, by, by the crisis. So the obvious example is the the Zoom boom. You know, the, the home working we, we, people have been home working and using. Um, Zoom for quite a while, and, and other uh, other known other products are available. <laughs> um, but there's been a massive uptake, if you like, of those, and that that's well understood. But I think another um, parallel example would be the massive boost in telemedicine. So that's um, you know virtual visits of doctors, if if you like, to their um, to their patients. And that's been I can remember my the first. Um, some of the first futurology books I read in the 80s were talking about telemedicine. It's a really old concept. And it's just kind of, uh, it's just stayed in the margins. Um, and um, in pretty much overnight, um, you know, I've seen, there's a quote in the article of the doctor saying he did, he's done more telemedicine visits um, in one day than he'd done in the previous year. Wow. So, um, it, and, and what's interesting about that is not, it, it's, um, it's got over all sorts of barriers, behavioural barriers and attitudes barriers, both on the sides of the, the doctor and the patient. But also, interestingly, um, governments have, ta- have swept away sort of legislation as well around. So I think in the, in the US, I don't think um, insurers, I'm not totally sure about this, but I, think, I don't think medical insurers would insure um, or pay for a, a virtual kind of consultation, for example. And that's been swept out of the way very, very quickly. So that's a great example of something that's where 10, 20 decades of, um, of um, progress, if you like, have been compressed into two weeks. You know, so that, that's an example of a, a, um, an accelerated trend. And then you've got the, the kind of brand new trends, the trends that, d- that weren't really existent before Corona. And it's, I think it's still quite, unclear about which ones these are going to be so so it's going to be important to track these but one example of something that might happen is um you know westerners adopting um the wearing of masks when they're down with a bug Mm. similar to if you go to hong kong or korea or singapore you'll see that that's become standard practice and i think it, it this that became standard practice after the sars epidemic about um 10, 15 years ago. So that I'm not saying that will happen, but it might happen. And that would be an example of something that wasn't really existent at all. And, um, you know, the, the crisis did bring that in. 
And I think another example from, from the tech sector is um, non-touch shared interfaces. So we've all become a lot more um, concerned about, you know, touching whether it's door handles or um, sort of touch screens on ticket machines and things like that. Mm. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot more, people are going to be a lot more wary about that. And that there's, there's been some experimentation of gestural interfaces, you know, waving your, your hand around in front of a screen. Um, and it's never really worked. But I think there's going to be a lot more um, that people are going to look look again at that. And I think there's going to be a lot more interest in, in making those work. So I think that'll be another example of a, a kind of new trend that was very much stimulated by the, um, by the crisis. So, I mean, do you think that there are, do you think that of the two, there are specific areas that, that brands should be more focused on, more focused on the accelerating trends than they are on the fundamental trends or both equally? I mean, do you, do you have, is, is it too difficult to, to say or, or, or is there a sort of process there? Well, the, um, not to sound like too much like a broken record, it does kind of depend yeah. on which sector you're in and certain trends will be more relevant to certain companies and sectors. But I think if we are going to generalise, um, I would definitely say that the uh, the accelerated trends are going to be the most important. And it and it's a it's a kind of a, a point that we make at plan quite often is that it's often more useful to understand the evolution or the development of quite a long wave trend um, rather than get too carried away with um, a brand new shiny trend which might just turn out to be a niche fad. Um, yeah. So it's often the, the development of those long wave trends that drive the more the real fundamental changes. So, yeah, if we're going to generalise, I'd say the, the accelerated trends are going to be the most important. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I, obviously I'm writing about this from a, a, a more of a media and communications perspective at Stylist. But I mean, live streaming is one of the, of the trends that I've been focused on quite heavily at the moment. Um, and again, you have people saying, well, this is just a, a, a bump that this technology is getting during during this period of lockdown and when we go back to normal people will sort of want to go back to sort of passive watching and so on but I actually think that you know there are trends within that within that behavior which may carry on the more participatory sort of aspect of, of what live streaming is doing so I, I think it's I think I agree you know that the 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 accelerating trends even if they feel like they're bumped because of the situation will have a, a sort of core of um, lasting uh, impact uh, afterwards. I yeah, I mean, you've always got to look at the, um, you know, the underlying drivers and, and the fact that they had they, they were existent before COVID would seem to suggest that there were some real underlying trends there, and there, there might have been some barriers adop to adoption mm. that COVID kind of swept away, sort of thing. Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. The barriers of adoption have been sort of dropping rapidly. People are, you know, gaming more, for example. People who probably wouldn't have, have bothered beforehand um, are now sort of jumping on things like Animal Crossing. Um, so, again, sort of going back to your to your LinkedIn article, it's very much talking about sort of the the challenges of innovation in a in a situation like this. And I, I wanted to ask how you how important do you think innovation and taking risks is for businesses right now. I mean, many of them, you know, many businesses are struggling just to keep their heads above water. Many businesses are bad at risk taking at the best of times. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, what, 
what, you know, should, should people be embracing innovation right now? Yeah, that's a, I mean, important but tough could be a, um, a summary there. I think you, you've probably got a bunch of different businesses that are facing kind of quite an existential crisis and they're going to be ruthlessly conserving cash and innovation budgets are going to be squeezed or non-existent for a while. So I think that it's going to be a tough environment for some, but um, I mean, it's a, it's a different picture. We're in the middle of um, doing a, a survey of innovation leaders at the moment. And I just, I just, just before I came on, I just looked at the latest um, figures and um, there's some interesting things here. So while half of the respondents um, thought that their budgets would be smaller, one in 10 thought they would actually be bigger. So some, some, um, clients are actually expecting um, bigger innovation budgets. Right. But said that um, a third of people saw that they were going to have to respond to new permanently shifted consumer attitudes and behaviours, and half expected new types of competitors. So that would suggest that if they don't um, innovate, they're going to be overtaken by by new competitors. And I think that's that's an interesting. And very salient thing to kind of consider mm. is that you know we're obviously in a time of massive disruption. But if we if we think of it classically as an industry disruption in the the Clay, Clayton Christensen kind of um, sense, mm. um, that's kind of defined by the the shaking up of the competitive landscape. You know the the, the competitive rules changing in some way, uh, which gives the chance for new competitors to leapfrog incumbents. And Zoom is a classic example of that. It's, you know, less than 10 years old and it's absolutely smashed it. And, and yeah. it's, not got, it's not just gone up against any competition. It's gone up against Google Hangouts, yeah. Microsoft Teams, Apple, Facebook and Cisco, you know. Um, so um, they, and now I think Zoom are worth, the last thing I heard, they're, they're worth more than the entire US airline industry. So, you know, that, that's quite an example of, um, of a, a disruptive yeah. change and, and how competitors can come from nowhere and overtake. So I think while um, cash is going to be king and tight um, for many, I think, that, I think innovation leaders have got to put the case and got to highlight the risks of, of uh, not um, innovating and taking some risks at this time. Yeah, it's very. I'm mean, interesting that you mentioned Clayton Christensen there. For 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 listeners or watchers who aren't familiar, he he's the author, was the author of um, the Innovators Dilemma. Is that right? Is that the is that the right title? I'm just racking my brains. Um, which talks very much about this idea of um, disruptors um, coming in from left field and, and overtaking Kodak, being you know the sort of prime example of a incumbent brand that didn't see the, the future coming, so to speak. Um, so, I mean, well, this leads quite well onto my next question, really, which is thinking a bit further ahead, what can businesses do to protect themselves against future shocks of this magnitude, you know, uh, if more are coming down the line, which it appears that they probably will be? Yeah, I think, I think resilience is going to be a, a buzzword for the next um, few years, to be honest. And I think that'll mean different things to, to different people and different businesses, but I think a few examples would be um, some more obvious than others, but I think the obvious one of the more obvious ones is um, just um, upskilling and, and equipping um, 
their people to work at home more productively. So making sure they've got a good ergonomic setup at home. And, you know, I think there's going to be a, a big, an accelerated take up of sort of remote collaboration tools like Asana, Slack, Google Suite, Miro, stuff like that. Mm. Um, I think that, that also, um, and another thing that came up in the survey that we're doing is that a third of the, the innovation leaders that uh, responded and agreed with the statement, my team's capabilities aren't aligned with the new challenges. So I think there's going to be quite a lot of training needs to be done. Yeah. Um, and then on the more sort of operational side, um, there's going to be quite a push, I think, to sort of simplify, shorten and diversify supply chains. So, you know, I think there's uh, people have felt quite stung by um, just how quickly supply chains sort of began to dry up and, um, you know, probably a bit of a sense of an over-reliance on complex um, supply chains and over-reliance on China, maybe. Um, so I think we're going to hear a lot more talk about, um, you know, uh, self-reliance, not self-reliance, but, um, you know, a bit more sourcing locally or at least nearer than, than China. Um, particularly for sort of more critical sectors like food and, and medical supplies. Um, I think there'll be probably a bit more rhetoric about that than the actual reality, because I think it'll be very mm. hard to do that the global economy is far too interdependent. But um, I think there'll definitely be building in more capacity, more sort of holding more stock and things like that um, to, to, to make their supply chains more um, more resilient. So I think there'll be lots of different ways of making companies more resilient, but there, there'll be a few examples. So we've talked sort of mainly here about the impact on businesses. I wonder if we could sort of finish with thinking about um, the consumer and, and how open they are to experiment with new consumption behaviours and what sort of behaviours that you think might stick around in the long term. Okay, well, um, again, um, I think it's um, one of the things that I think is really interesting about this whole crisis is that it's kind of, you know, the concept, yeah, the Overton window. It's the, it's the, the acceptable things that you can discuss and do. Um, and I think that the Overton window has, um, has really widened in this crisis. So I think some things that might have been seen as um, just not even can, you know, something you wouldn't consider and, and now on the table at least for, for considering. So I think that's that's something. So I, I think the whole, um, you know, uh, how people work um, is, is, is an obvious one. Um, you know, to what extent people actually need, and particularly we're going to see some things are going to be driven by economics. I mean, people are talking about this being the, the sharpest economic decline since the 20s, you know, even worse than um, the Second World War. Mm. So I think um, that's going to put lots of financial pressure on big sections of society. So, for example, um, when people have been managing to stay fit, you know, in the park uh, or in front of Joe Wicks, um, do they need that gym membership, um, you know, when, when money's tight? Um I think that's that, that that's an example. So we shouldn't underestimate the um, 
the effects of quite a protracted recession on on behaviors rather than just the experience that people have had over the last month or so Mm. um but i think there's um i think in terms of how i think it's how how um consumers you know i think i mentioned um before that um i think a a third of our respondents expected consumer attitudes and behaviors to change so there's there's but companies are already um sort of tooling up to to respond to that and i think there's there's a a nice quote that i I saw recently from um ram emmanuel i'm not a big fan of him particularly but i like the quote he's the ex right hand man of obama and he was talking about um the last economic crisis in 2008 just before obama took power and there was a quote um he said that you should never let a crisis go to waste and what I mean by that, there's an opportunity to do things that you could not do before. And I think that will be the case both on the consumer side of things, but also on the uh, the business side of things, that things that you just wouldn't have considered doing before are now on the table. And I think that's that's the exciting thing to a certain extent. Mm. And, and I think that's, that's, that's what's going to lead to quite a lot of disruption, I think, because... Um, you know that the, the rules are changing, and I haven't I haven't got lots of specific examples for you, but I think just generally, um, the context is a lot more fluid going forward, and um, you know lots of um, things that were cast in stone before uh, are now shattered, and people are are thinking very very differently. So I think we could uh, we could probably see we might look back in three or four years time on this period and see quite a massive explosion of innovation happening, which, um, you know, is, it's hard to see right now, but I think we could look back um, and, and see that. Well, that's great. It's a very inspiring uh, way to look at it um, and, uh, and a nice sort of positive way to end. Um, thank you very much, um, Kevin McCullough for joining me. Um, and thank you for listening or watching if you are watching. Um, please join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus and stay safe. Thank you. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends that you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.